Welcome to PR360, a weekly interview podcast dedicated to talking about the important topics within the public relations technology industry, hosted by Brett Deister and in partnership with Global Results Communication. Find out more information at globalresultspr.com. And welcome to another episode of PR360, and I'm your host, Brett Deister. And if you don't know, we're a podcast about interviewing the best and brightest in the PR and tech industry. And with me, I have Leon Harbour. Now, first question, I know it's going to be really, really tough, but are you a coffee or tea drinker? I'm primarily a coffee drinker, but since I have one-year-old and a three-year-old, scotch sometimes will come into play. Mm. All right, we got some Irish coffee going on on that one. But anyways, next one is, are you an Android or iPhone user? That's a very difficult question. I've actually, I use Android for everything. However, I've been to probably about 20 Macworlds. And each time I go to the Macworld, I sit and go through, the, watch the presentations or and just decide, you know what, I really should get a Mac. And then when I get home, because of some gaming I've done online, I've built my own computers through PC. So inherently, I wind up on Android for everything. Yeah, I've noticed that about people that actually build their own computers. They tend to like Android a little bit more than iPhones because I'm the same way. I build my own computers and I choose Android. So you're not alone on that one. Yeah, there's things that I dislike about Android, but I think for the rest of my life, I envision myself being stuck in it. So Fair enough. It usually does happen. But moving on to what do you think are tools becoming imperative for PR people to do great PR work, what tools do they need to essentially do their job? Well, I think that there's so many distractions now when you're using different tools and just the amount of information kind of thrown at you during the day that you're going to look for a tool that's very easy to use. The user interface is easy to get through. You're going to have the ability to look at data and then share it with your team or share it to customers or clients, however you need to. Basically give you a feeling like you have an advantage over someone else that you're able to go in and find something that someone else may not have access to. And then I think ultimately you need to have contact with a human if if something goes wrong. You don't want to wind up in an automated system that just kind of bounces you around because I think With each bounce, you just get more and more infuriated, and then you're just less likely to use the tool. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're all distracted nowadays with our phones, Surface, computers. Yeah, and it's just, you reach a point where you just start tuning everything out, and then you kind of revert back to something that's 10 words or less. Uh, And then you go onto an interface, and you almost want big buttons to just tell you exactly what to do, so... (laughs) <laughs> or tell you what not to do. But we're not to do, right. But right. then you just hit the button anyways because it tells you not to do that. Right. But moving on to tech news, the place that you work, how is this different from like a Cision, a Business Wire, or a Meltwater type of thing? Because I know you guys do some similarities between them, but I'm pretty sure that there is some differences. So that's a great question because of my employer. Tech news was created specifically for tech PR people. And I think the main difference is going to be that we just simply focus on tech, anything tech-related as well as the vertical publications related to tech. So if a fitness magazine has a tech editor, generally we'll get it. 
the big selling point I think for us is going to be that data is that we have the ability to go in and create profiles for tech journalists that will then ultimately become useful to a tech PR person. They'll be able to see not only the articles written, but they'll be able to go in and kind of get an understanding of what that journalist has written about in the past. And you can kind of get a, an idea of what they're looking for for the future. And we, going along with my trying to make things as easy as possible, we've tried to make the platform as easy as possible. And in that, you can go in and immediately do searches, you create charts, create lists. And there really isn't anything hidden behind a paywall or anything. So it's ease of use, I think, is a major advantage. And, I, and then ultimately, I think it comes down to customer service is that my, my team and I, you know, we, we pretty much answer every call. So, and, and we take it to heart. If, if, if there's a criticism or something we can change with the product, we'll actually jump into it and try to implement the change or, you know, look for a publication that may not have appeared and just do research on it. So you basically guys have more niched yourself into a category. Yeah, exactly. We just focus on tech and we've kind of played around with the ideas of, of going into other industries. But for now, tech seems to be the, the place where we're getting the most business. And, you know, there's a, a large amount of tech companies, so it's a really good niche for us. And it's a really big industry too. Right, right. But moving on to more of like, what do you think PR pros need or what types of skills do they need? for the coming changes in how PR and marketing are becoming more digitized? What do you think skills are going to be important? Well, I think you need to be able to accept the fact that everything changes. You need to look at new tools coming up. Following startups and seeing some of the the new technology coming out of startups is really important because it it can kind of tell you what's going on in the next two to three years. you know, another thing that really needs to evolve is PR people need to know that they're not always going to know everyone that's covered. I've had people tell me on sales calls that we don't really need the service because we know everyone that's covering us. Well, you, you probably don't. You may have known everyone when it was just print publications, but now there's just so much electronic and digital media that you're going to need a service to somehow go in and see what the trends are because you may have some guy that's a freelancer that you may not even know of that eventually becomes one of the big, biggest, most important tech journalists in your target market. So you should never kind of close the door on that. So using tools like a Tech News or you know, any of the other services is that we help people to identify who is kind of rising and who are the people to go at. I think that it's extremely important to craft your messaging and make it very concise. Again, going back to the attention span, most people just scan a headline. Unless your company has done something incredibly horrible, then they'll probably go searching for it. But for the most part, if you're putting out some news, I think summarize everything in the first paragraph as best you can because people are scrolling through on their phones or on a tablet and they're interested, then they'll get more information from you. But you want to grab their attention in that moment that they're scrolling through And I think ultimately, my last point on this is, I think you have to move away from untargeted mass emails. That's kind of something, it's it's almost just lazy PR, is to just grab a media list and just email everyone on it, and then email them a second time, asking if they got it, and then email them a third time. That's just the sure way to infuriate a journalist and, and just kind of make sure that they never cover you. 
And the most important thing is when you're reaching out to these people, know what they're writing about. You have to know what they're writing about. That's going to be half the battle, I think. Yeah, there is about 800,000 podcasts right now. That's the latest numbers that I saw this month, actually. There's 800,000. So, yeah, you may actually never know who's actually covering you. Right. Yeah, it's extremely important to know because you don't want to be caught by someone writing about you that you don't know anything about and having your CEO ask you, uh, hey, have you heard of this guy? And then you, no, no, he's not one of our journalists. I don't think you want to be in that position. And what I kind of see is going back to some of my experience with PR and marketing is that I was the one man show. So I had to do everything. So do you think this would actually be more beneficial for the smaller one man teams, the marketing managers, the PR managers that manage themselves? Yeah, you can make arguments for one man team because the one man team is going to have the distinct advantage that they're going to be able to be nimble. And if you go in and you use a tool and you're able to find out who exactly is writing about the customer or the client and who potentially could be writing about them, you may have the advantage over a bigger group of people, whereas they may have the mindset of, well, we know everyone and we already have the context. So I think for the smaller guy, it is definitely a distinct advantage to be able to grab solid data and then use that data and turn it to for the customer and show them who's potentially could be writing about them. Mm, yes, it probably will help the very busy PR person doing the social media, the PR writing, right. everything else to have like an automated list that they don't have to keep on tailoring themselves. Yeah, I think that in the past, most people probably used spreadsheets to keep track of data. And I think what we've tried to do is take people from just having to roll through Google search and using spreadsheets to being able to go onto a platform and just get access to data quickly. Do you guys also do anything for like influencer marketing at all, or are you mostly just more just covering things? It, that's a really good question because we are trying to evolve into content marketing and just being used as a tool for the marketing team in general. One of the things that I've always mentioned is it's a lot of data in the database. And obviously, you want to have it at your fingertips. If you're in marketing and you're saying, well, we need to do some content marketing, where should we place it? Well, you go into a tool like this and you can see who's writing about your target market and those are the people to target, that publication. You don't necessarily have to be going after individual journalists, but you'll get an idea of that publication's worth seeing if, if they're actually writing about your target market. I think specifically for salespeople, it's always good to go into a customer and know what's being written about them. So we've tried to play that angle as well, where you know, a sales team can go and do a search for a customer and get an idea of the amount of press on that customer. And then you, you sound a lot more knowledgeable trying to sell to that person. Mm, yeah. Always the best policy is research person you're trying to write a press release right. for. Right. In, in terms of influence, we do actually have an algorithm within our database that when you do a search, we rank that we have an influence score. And it's based on a lot of different things, but it does give you the ability to see how much an individual publication is being followed in comparison to the other ones. Is that similar to like the clout score that was big in the early 2000s? I'm not positive exactly. I look at the number and sometimes I just, obviously if it's a big publication, then it's going to have a lot of influence. So I ultimately look at that. 
I think that it falls back to the most important thing is how much they write about your target market. Obviously, the influence is important. You want to make sure that if someone is writing about your target market, that they do actually have an audience. Then moving on to more of a little bit of the tech behind it. What do you think AI is going to do for tech news or just the tracking in general in the next five years? Because I know AI is still a little new, but still it's becoming more and more predominant, at least in the news cycle. Well, we've actually already been involved with it. We have a way that when you do a search, especially for a lot of the bigger topics and some of the newer stuff that we've identified as being hot topics, we take the search and actually will autofill it for you. So if it's something like AI, we'll obviously you can search AI, but then we'll autofill it with artificial intelligence and then all these different ways that we've found that artificial intelligence appears in searches. And we'll do that with a lot of different keywords. So we can kind of preemptively see if you're looking for any specific topic, we'll fill in the blanks for you and tell you, here's the stuff that's probably what you're going to be looking for. Mm. Yeah. And do you think that AI will help data become more personalized? Because I keep on hearing more and more that marketing or PR is becoming more personalized and niche. So do you think AI will help that process? Well, yes. I'll give you an example. If you're at a trade show, and you're walking around, um, and this is at least something that you can do with us right now. You can pull up your phone or your tablet, and you have a journalist come by your booth. You've never heard of them before, right? You just type in their name. You can see all the articles they've written or what the market segments are that they write about. But I think going forward, that might actually be something where you're able to put in a name, and it just kind of preemptively tells you what they're working on. And I think that's kind of what we're moving toward is where you have this ability to put in a publication and see a lot of data quickly, you know, versus now where you can, you can see that data, but I think it's going to be a lot more real time. Mm, real time tracking. That's always been a thing. Yeah, it's a tough area. So you don't want to infuriate journalists. No, you really don't because then they'll never cover you. But do you think that in the future, PR pros will become more data scientists and programmers and less about communication? Or do you think that still communication will still play a key to this? You will have to know what you're looking at in terms of data because and there's a lot of stuff that's just really irrelevant. So I think you're going to have to be able to look at the data and understand it quickly and see, okay, this is who I need to contact and these are the people I need to contact. And then plug in your personal aspect. I think ultimately people do want to be contacted or people do want to talk to another human. So you're using the data that you have, you're going to be able to make, I think, a little bit more intelligent contact with that other person. And with the real-time tracking, do you think digital and physical tracking will become more of a melding between it where you can see where people are going or at least try to understand where they might go? Yeah, I think... I mean, that brings up an area where it's, you don't want it to become scary. And granted, there's a lot of tools and a lot of data that you can get on someone. And, you know, as long as people are willing to provide that data, then it should be usable. But the moment that you, you kind of cross over into an area where someone just kind of is like, well, why is my email address floating around the internet? Or why is my phone number floating around? Then it kind of gets scary. And you just, you don't ever want to have the feeling that of insecurity with your data, I think. So I think there definitely needs to be a balance. 
Agreed. I mean, we've seen it all in news reports and social media companies haven't really helped this process quite a bit or smart speakers and what they're listening to. I think it's more in the public's awareness now than it was prior to it. Yeah, I think that you become very conscious of what's being said about you and where it's floating around. And on the one hand, sure, when you sign up for something, inherently you know you're going to be giving up some data. But when you start getting into an area where you're, you're giving up data that's really irrelevant to that specific product or service and just kind of becomes something else to be mined, then it becomes crazy. And then that's when I think people put their foot down. Do you think PR will ever become like fully digital? No paper whatsoever. I know it's been less and less paper over the years, but do you think it'll just be completely digital and there will be no more pamphlets or anything else? Uh, well, I think in terms of news releases and content, I think there are still people, at least from what I observe, is, is there still people that want to look at something physical? Granted, so you're probably still going to have to always have something like that, especially at a trade show. I think in general, PR, a lot of the content could be just digital and just made available digitally. In terms of the outreach, a lot of it can rely, obviously, on email or something like that. But ultimately, again, it comes down to trust. And I think people are going to want to... You're working on a story. I think that there are journalists out there that they want a phone call versus just an email because everyone's getting hundreds of emails a day. Your spam software is now getting better at at just crushing anything that comes in, even from legitimate sources. So I think the most important part is the relationships and contact. I think to answer your question, I don't think it'll become fully digital now. I still read books, actual books. So I do too. I like board games and actual books and I've got a record player. So (laughs) yeah, I have board games, no record players though. I'm still on the digital side of that, but Do you think podcasting, now this is a little biased because I'm a podcaster, do you think podcasting will become another tool or a better tool for PR people to get the message out because it's more of their channel than anything else? I think so. I think, again, people have, they have a lot of, they're getting pulled in a lot of directions. So I think that when you're traveling in a car or flying somewhere or wherever, I mean, obviously the podcast is just easy to just kind of jump into something and listen to it. Also, if you ever have downtime, I think it's just kind of a more, if it's something you're truly interested in, it's going to be a really good worth of your time, use of your time. And yeah, I think so. I think it can't be a big sales pitch because I think right off the bat, that's just going to turn everyone off. But I think if it is informative and just isn't fully corporate, then absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so what excites you about the tech industry for the future? Well, a lot excites me about the tech industry. My first computer was a TRS-80 color computer. And it was one of the first ones that came out at Radio Shack. It was, remember, it was about $200 at that time. And it was, it was expensive. But, you know, at that time, I was kind of hooked on tech. I learned BASIC. And then I started making my own games in BASIC. And throughout college and after college, I just really got into the technological aspect of PCs. And then on top of that, I became obsessed with music and TV and 4K and all that stuff. So I think coming down the road, I don't know how much more clear you can make a TV set picture. We're in 4K now. Sounds, if you bump back to analog, 
it's stuff sounds great. I don't know. I think what what really makes me excited about it is that you don't know what's coming down the road. I go to CES every year, and each year you going into the startup area, you just see some stuff like, wow, I never saw this coming, or this is an amazing solution to this problem. But again, I think the most exciting thing for me is just is not knowing what's coming next. You have one of the things I want on my bucket list, go to CES. But I agree with you. Everything has changed in the content creation side of it. It's getting more AI focused, where AI will help you actually take out things that you don't want. So yeah, there's a lot of things going on with there. But back to data, because you did talk about how sometimes people waste their time on data. So how are some of the ways PR pros can actually get the right data? Because that's what I keep on hearing, the right data, not the bad data, not data in general, but the right data for them. Well, I, I think the obvious answer is tech news for one. Well played. <laughs> I think just being able to get good information. One of the things that I think is very important is to read. If you're in the tech industry, you should read tech publications. I like to set up a Feedly as a service I use, which is free, but it does have a version. And I'll select different sources and you basically get a real-time feed of tech-related news and, and some of the other publications. And you know it's in real time and it's on your desktop and you can just look at it whenever you want and get an idea of what's going on. I think it's important to look at something like that if you're in the tech industry is to know what companies are getting funded because you kind of get an idea of what future trends are going to be. You, you also see what in general is being said about the tech industry. So I think that's really important. Outside of that, I think that you just have so little time that you have to latch on to something that just gives you the most benefit. If you find some type of tool or something that's like, wow, it's, I'm able to make my day go better than just latch onto it. But for me, it's been Feedly. Mm, I actually do have a Feedly, but I also have Google News and Flipboard. Another one that's underrated that I like for a lot of different reasons is Reddit. I know a lot of time, especially in, I know in gaming, in video gaming, if you're launching a game or you're making, Reddit is going to be the place that you want to go before you make any changes, just to get feedback from the people that actually play the game. But Reddit is also a good place to kind of go in and get like the average person's view on technology, on different things, and just kind of see what's being said. It's not clean, can get very crazy, but it's kind of an unfiltered view and it just, it's a viewpoint. It's something to look at. And I think prominence of Reddit, it's very important to go in and look once in a while and, and maybe set up feeds of your specific topics and just kind of see what's being said. And so where do you think most PR pros waste their time on data and tracking? What are the, some of the things that seemed at the time or a little bit before here were the best ways of tracking, but now are seem to be more of a waste of a time? Yes, this is a great question. I think that there are reports out there that if you put out a press release, it'll say, well, it posted to these 10,000 sites and these 10,000 sites have a universe of 100 million people and 100 million people cited press release. Personally, I think this is completely useless. I just, a lot of times when you have content distributed through syndicators, it may wind up who knows where. I mean, but I don't think people are generally looking. And I, it's misleading if you 
are telling people that, well, potentially your news reached you know, 100 million people. It, it really did. And, and I think that that was almost something more created where someone could just print it out and hand it off to a CEO and say, hey, see, look, look how much work I'm doing. I, I think it's disingenuous. And I think what you really need to do is kind of look at coverage and then ultimately how coverage and turns into revenue. And I think those are really the most important things. So always back to return on investment. Pretty much. Yeah. I really am against like just made up numbers. Well, that seems to be pretty good because even in social media, reach was the thing. Now reach is not the thing anymore because reach is you reached this many people. It's like, okay, but what did they do? Right. That's the issue is just ultimately you're going to have to explain to somebody what that reach equated into. And if you can't, then that reach metric is useless. And how will tracking data and real-time tracking change in the next five to 10 years? What will be the next phase in actual tracking for PR and marketing? A lot. I think it's going to become all real-time. I know we're moving in that direction of trying to make everything in real-time. But I think on the other hand, you're going to have to deal with a lot more laws. The law in California is about to come online. You have the GDPR in, in Europe. And this stuff is important. You have to have a fine balance between collecting this data and then making it available to people. And, and it's fine to make real, have real-time data of stuff that is helpful, genuinely helpful. Getting real-time data of someone's personal info is probably not going to be helpful. It's going to land you in hot water. The other thing to keep in mind is with a lot of the technology you're involved in, there's also a lot of technology coming out to kind of block track. I use a couple of services through Google through my Chrome that automatically block track. And it's not because I'm paranoid. It's just, I don't see the reason why I need to have 50 you know, ad things populated on a news article I'm reading. So I think you have to just, again, it's a balance. Mm, yes. I use Opera GX, which is a gaming browser that already automatically has ad blocking. Even PR people use ad blocking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the majority of journalists do as well. So, Anyways, moving on to how much data is too much data for collection? Because you've, we talked about this data, how much is the right one, but we can collect too much. So how much is too much? Well, I think too much is going to be when you start going into a world of scary. And when you start making people feel uncomfortable with the amount of data that they're giving, they start questioning why they're putting in information, then then you've reached a point where that's just too much. I don't think you ever want to have people feel uncomfortable with the data they're providing. And they ultimately want to know that that data isn't being sold or thrown all over the internet. So I think, again, going back, it's when you start thinking it's getting scary and intrusive. Okay, yeah, that's pretty much true. I mean, we have everybody tracking us beyond. Right, yeah. I, I There's so many ways to track every movement you have and just look at it and where you go in your car. It's one thing for people willing to give up that information, but it's another thing if you're giving up that information without knowing it. Which leads mostly leads to my next question about how we can make this more ethical or at least have standards on where we track, who we track, and how much we track. Because it is kind of an important thing nowadays, and people, like I said before, are very aware of what's being tracked, which is now almost everything. Yeah, I think for our industry, 
I think ultimately it comes down to human contact. You're going to use data. If, you, if you're using data, you're going to use it to grow your brand and, and have better relationships and be more informed of the people you're contacting. I think that's really the best way to go. To start using it to overanalyze it and just kind of stalk people that completely have nothing to do with your, your product or your target market, that's a problem. And you know, should probably move away from that. I think for the data collection agencies and the PR firms, is they just need to show that. Just show that the personal relationships are important and that they are not willing to really go into an area. You start grabbing so much information where, again, it just starts to just kind of scare people. Good solid so, advice. I mean, we're eventually going to have to make standards down the road. Right. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like a it's almost like an old school mentality where you just kind of go back to well, what relationships do I have? And I here's ten people I should be in contact with. Let me get in contact with them over the phone or in person or however, and you know build a relationship. And do you have any advice for people wanting to get into this area of PR and tech? What types of things do they need to do? What type of skills do they need to develop? Yes, I think that, you know, PR is a tough industry and you're ultimately selling and you're ultimately in customer service. So I think if you're going to get into PR, probably while you're in, in college or even beforehand, is do something that's sales, uh, either in retail sales or anything and learn about dealing with customers and dealing with people. Because when you start dealing with journalists, you are basically selling them a story at some point and you're going to get rejected. And, you know, that's kind of the customer service aspect of it. You may have someone that just says, you know what, I would never cover you because I hate your product. Okay, well, that's, that's fine. So you should be prepared for it. I think the last major thing is if you decide to get into tech PR is to actually go to a tech, major tech trade show like CES and just see the chaos you're seeing so thousands of companies vying for attention and nonstop for four days. And I think that if you're going to go that route, you're going to be one of those people eventually, and you should see the, the full chaos in action. That's actually some really solid advice. I mean, my, me, myself, I actually worked at circuit city when they were, well, they are back, but when they actually had physical stores, I worked. There yeah. That's a, that, yeah. I had a, I had a job at pizza. Hut, so. <laughs> I was able to learn about people getting mad about their 30-second delivery windows. Any final thoughts for our viewers? Yeah, I think uh, a couple things. Number one, just always be prepared for the worst case. And I think with any industry, especially PR, and especially tech PR, prepare for the worst thing to happen. You may put out a press release for a product that may never launch. And just be prepared for that. You may set up interviews where no one shows up. You may have a press conference at CES where you just get barraged by questions you didn't expect. So I think you have to kind of roll with punches and just, just be prepared for anything. Always have a mentor. I like this. Someone like myself and someone that's been in the industry a long time is we've made a lot of mistakes. And if you're starting out in the industry, it's good to have a mentor to kind of tell you, so I've already done this mistake, so here's what not to do. I think ultimately that becomes helpful. Don't take anything personally. 
it's just business. You're going to get a lot of rejection. You're going to get angry people. You're going to have all kinds of crazy things happen. Just don't ever take it personal. It's a job. It's not your, your family. And then finally, enjoy what you do because life is too short. If I actually love my job and I love working in the tech industry and the product that we do because I can kind of see how it, it helps people. And I think that's what most people are, are pretty much aiming for is, is to do something that makes them feel good at the end of the day. All right. That was actually some really great conversation with you, Leon. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. And as always, please be sure to subscribe to PR360 and all the major podcasting directories that is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and many more. And as always, I'm Brett Deister, host of Digital Coffee, and you can find all that stuff on digitalcoffee.gg. Anyways, thank you. See you next week when we go through another great expert in the PR tech industry. Later, guys.